Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis, Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Southwest University in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am also the Executive Director and one of the teachers of Bible Interact. What is Bible Interact, you might be asking? We are a loose group of Bible scholars and teachers and biblical archaeologists who decided to record and film our various lectures because distance students who didn't live where we were teaching were unable to come to our lectures, so we thought, well, if we filmed them, then they'd be able to see our lectures. Well, what happened was that people in the local community began looking at our lectures online also because they were busy, they had jobs, they had families, so it was more convenient for them to, to see these lectures online. So we discovered something really quite wonderful. Once we got our lectures recorded... We didn't have to teach them again. So we were free to dig into Scripture, to do our research, and to uncover deeper understanding. And and, and then we were able to teach all of this new information that we were uncovering. It, it was really quite exciting. I You know, this it started a number of years ago. I have not stopped getting deeper into Scripture each year. It, it, it has been a very, very exciting thing. So we call this radio program Bible Interact Presents because there's more than one of us, and we will kind of take turns, you know, uh, teaching um, on on this on this program. But we all believe that Scripture is inspired and authoritative. We all have a perspective of Scripture as very Hebraic in its nature, both the New Testament, of course, and the Hebrew Scriptures, and that because of that Hebraic nature, it's all connected. As, as one unified message. Now, in my own personal study, I am very interested in recovering ancient methods of searching the scriptures, which turn out to be very different from the way that we study the Bible today. I am drawn in particular to the first century. I call it first century methods of searching the scriptures. And sometimes my students ask me why I don't do you know more ancient Israel. And and there are really two reasons. First, there is an abundance of literature from this period of time, from about 200 years before Yeshua, and I go up to about 200 years after Yeshua, which catches the Mishnah. So that gives me, and we have a lot of literature from this period of time, and that gives me an abundance of literature to work with to be able to recover these ancient methods at that period of time. There's a second reason, and that is, of course, that I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in Yeshua. How did people hear him? Now, they, they heard him speak in a very Hebraic way, and, and that's the whole nature of these ancient methods, because at the time of Yeshua, at the time the New Testament was, was written, there was, or at the time that the New Testament people were speaking, um, there was no New Testament. All they had was the, was the Hebrew Scriptures. And 
and and and they thought Hebrew scriptures. By the way, the New Testament has over 300 citations of the Hebrew scriptures, and for every citation there are many more allusions. So the New Testament is very Hebraic in its nature, and to be able to fully appreciate the New Testament, one needs to be steeped in the Hebrew scriptures because the people of the first century were steeped in the Hebrew scriptures. Now, what I'm going to do now is I want to compare our modern way of studying the Bible with the ancient first century way of of going to scripture, searching the scriptures. I'm going to do it in chart form, so if you'd like to get a piece of paper and pencil, you can make a little chart and, and fill in this, this information I'm going to, to give to you. There will be three columns. The first column, I will ask a question. In the second column, I will give the modern Western Greek way of answering the question, the way you know we've been taught to think. And then in the third column, we will look at the ancient Hebraic way of, of approaching the question. My students tell me that it's not an easy thing to do, that they have to change their way of thinking from the modern Greek way of thinking to this ancient Hebraic way of thinking, and, and, and they, they find it actually quite different, uh, difficult because it's a, it's a whole different way of thinking. So we're going to do it in chart form to help you understand. We have three columns, question, Greek, modern, because our modern way is, is, comes from the Greek, Greek, modern, and the third column, ancient, Hebraic. Let's start with the first question, how do we find the truth in Scripture? Well, let's look at first how we, he, we perceive the truth in our modern world. In our modern world, man, mankind, is capable of arriving at the truth, of knowing the truth. You go to Scripture, what does it mean? You can determine what it means. The result, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia is that there are more than 38,000 Christian denominations because each denomination says, I've got the truth. So Mr. Brown says, I know the truth and makes the Brown denomination. Mr. Green says, I've got the truth and makes the Green denomination. Each denomination has a creed which says, this is what our denomination believes to be the truth of Scripture. This is making mankind into a kind of God. It says that we have the ability to learn everything, to go to the ends of the universe. Science is a field that takes this approach. Now, I'm not opposed to science. I'm not opposed to uh, medical research. I'm not opposed to that at all. What I'm saying is that the most important thing is to be humble, to be humble before God, to realize that in God's presence you are nothing. Yes, God has given you an ability to do these things, but you do them only because God has made it available for you, and you must remain humble in God's presence. So the Western way is to say, yes, there is a truth, and we can get the truth, and that leads to 38,000 denominations. Now, the ancient Hebraic way is very different. The ancient Hebraic way was to say, of course there's a truth. Who denies that? You know, you go to Scripture, there's a truth of Scripture. But God is the author of Scripture. That truth resides in God. And who are we to think that we can be equal with God, that we can ever arrive at the truth? 
we can get closer to the truth and closer and closer and closer. We, but we can never actually arrive at the final truth. We um, are supposed to, according to the ancient Hebraic way, we are supposed to desire with an intense desire in our hearts to know the truth. And, and, and as we have that desire, we get a little closer and a little closer. We stretch. We just stretch and we get closer and closer. The closer we get to the truth, the closer we're getting to God. If I live to be a thousand years old, I will never stop getting a little closer and a little closer. So that's, that's the, the Hebraic way. By the way, um, until maybe about 75, 100 years ago, Judaism only had three denominations— uh, Orthodox, conservative, reformed. Um, in the last uh, few decades, there have been, you know, more Jewish denominations or sects or whatever you call them um, emerging. I think perhaps in because of the influence of, of Christianity, you know, uh, because you know this group says, wait a minute, I don't really agree with the Orthodox or the. Re- or the conservative reform, you know, so we're going to form this other group over here. No, we're going to form this other group over there. But even so, there aren't that many Jewish denominations today. By the way, there's, of course, the common Jewish joke. You get two Jews, three opinions. It's okay to disagree. As long as you're all desiring to get close to God, close to the truth, and that you give as your evidence from Scripture, and but it's okay to disagree as as long as you're 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 eagerly desiring to get closer to God, very different approach to how we find the truth, where the truth is located. All right, we've got another question here. Who has the answers? <laughs> well, that's a very interesting one because in our modern world, there are people who are perceived as authorities. These are the teachers. These are the preachers. These are the charismatic speakers. They're the authority. They know so much. We go to seminars. We read their books. We can't wait to hear what they say because they know so much and we want to know what they know. They're perceived as the authorities. By the way, they're elevated physically. They may stand up in a pulpit. They may stand up at a podium and talk down to the people. And and the people nod, oh, yes, 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 they know so much. They're the authority. The ancient Hebraic way is very different. I'm going to give you two principles. Very, very different. In the ancient, in ancient Israel, the the teaching was done largely through master and disciple. The master, the disciple, would select a master not just for his head knowledge. In fact, his head knowledge was not the most important thing. What was the most important was the way he put his head knowledge into his life. How was he living? How was he walking? Um, was he was he walking in godly ways? Did he did he did he make evident the ways of God by the way he was living? So in Today, for example, you, you look at some of these leaders and, and you ask yourself, is their family a godly family or are they having trouble in their family? I mean, is the teenager into drugs and things like that? You know, that's not a master that I would select if I were a disciple. Um, what about the, the that, you know, instructor, pastor, teacher in the workplace? How, how does he or she operate in the workplace? What are the relationships with other people? Um, how does that person respond in a time of crisis? 
So that's the way a disciple would select a master, by the way the master was walking in the ways of God. So that's one principle. But I have a second principle I want to I point out to you. In our modern Western world, we look up to people who have a great deal of head knowledge. They've gone to university, they've gone to seminary, they've you know, they've acquired this a, a great deal of knowledge, and they become the authorities, the leaders. The ancient Hebraic way is very, very, very different. It's It's egalitarian, actually. It perceives every single child of God as capable of... Of, of getting into the depth of understanding scripture, every single one of you, you don't even need to be able to read. What you need, you need actually two things. The, the first thing you need is a heart. The heart has to hunger to grow closer to God. The, the heart has to have this intense desire to grow closer to God. And God will open a door somehow. If you don't read, he's going to open it in another way. You know, maybe this teaching here is going to open it up for some of you. Maybe not. Maybe you'll, God will open another door in another way. But he's going to open a door somehow if you have the heart that truly desires to grow close to him. Now, I have to give you a word of caution because sometimes my students will say, oh, the Holy Spirit told me what it meant. It's a very, very, very common comment that I get. I think, of, of course, the Holy Spirit plays a role. The Holy Spirit is a guide. But it can't be exclusively the Holy Spirit because you have to equally balance heart and head. We have to study to show ourselves approved. So we have to equally um, be willing, if we really have the desire, be willing to roll up our sleeves and work. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of people coming into our, our um, Internet TV site, BibleInteract.tv, and, and we call them lay listeners. And it's perfectly okay because that's where they are in their life right now. All they want to do is to listen to someone else. But we do everything in our power to get them to the next stage where they want to learn how to get into Scripture themselves. And it takes work. Um, some of them kind of wait until they get retired, you know, and then they have more time to do it. But But you need an equal head and heart. You need an equal roll up your sleeves, do the work with that heart that truly desires to grow closer to God. So our question we started was with who has the answers. Well, God has the answers, and we can arrive, every single person who belongs to God can arrive at those answers with a balanced head and heart. Our question number three is, you know, is there more than one interpretation, or is there just one interpretation? I think this is an important question because Christianity claims there's only one interpretation. And that goes back to that 38,000 denominations. Each denomination has the one interpretation. By the way, the evangelical movement uh, promotes the literal interpretation. So you just, everybody just read scripture, read what it means. The literal meaning is what it means. All right, we go to the ancient Hebrew and it's very different. If God is the author, which the people of ancient Israel certainly believed, and I do too, God is infinite, therefore his word is infinite. And the depth of his word is infinite. (laughs) It's as deep as God is deep. So the people in ancient Israel believed that there was a literal meaning. They, They refer to it as the plain or simple meaning, and they give it a Hebrew name. They call it the Peshat. The Peshat is the plain or simple meaning. And God put in a plain or simple meaning, and he wants you to see the plain and simple meaning. 
because you know he doesn't want you to add to it he doesn't want you to delete it he doesn't want you to take anything away from it there is a plain and simple meaning called a pashat however in addition to the plain or simple meaning there is an incredible depth of understanding that we can draw out with our combined head and heart um the depth of that understanding, it's not different interpretations, it's just a richer, deeper understanding. The depth of that understanding is sometimes referred to as mysteries. And, and, and you know, they would talk about unveiling the mystery because the veil separated you from God. So if you unveil the mystery, it was bringing you into God's presence because you were getting down into that depth of meaning. Or uncover um, you know, because God covered our sins, so that that the idea of covering. So, when when you uncover the mysteries, you're you're coming to God in righteousness to be able to uncover those mysteries. So, now I, I have to tell you a little story here, because um, I was working with some students once, and I had given them a passage, and I wanted them to use these first century methods that we teach uh, to go into the passage to to uncover the depth of meaning. And uh, we were in what we call an online session. They they access it online, and, and we can actually talk back and forth to each other online. And they were sharing what they had seen in the passage, but they were very nervous about telling what they had seen. They wanted to know what I had seen. They were still in the Greek mode of thinking. They were looking at me as the the knowledgeable one, the authority. They wanted to know what I had seen because what I had seen must be that deeper meaning. And and I explained to them, I said, uh, what we're getting among you students is not different interpretations. We're just getting this incredible rich understanding that is apparently relating to your life today. And the interesting thing is that I can tell what, a little bit about what's going on in your life by what you are seeing in this passage. Because you're uncovering something and God is, is, is helping you see something that's going to relate to your, your life. So we're seeing different things, but, it, but it's, nothing contradicts anything. I mean, we're, we're just getting into that, that, that rich depth of understanding and we're seeing uh, what, what God is helping us see relative to what's going on in our lives today. So our question was, um, is there more than one interpretation? The answer is no, because interpretation is an English word that refers to one meaning. However, um, in addition to the plain and simple meaning, there's an incredible rich depth of understanding that we can uncover from that, that depth of Scripture. Our fourth question, did the New Testament bring new revelation? Again, this is an important question because... Christianity has separated the Old Testament from the New Testament. And in part, what they say is the the God of the Old Testament is very different from the God of the New Testament uh, because God gave some information to Israel, but he gave much more information, much more relevant information, much more correct information um, through his son, Yeshua the Messiah. And therefore, the New Testament is a higher level of information the you know Christian scholars refer to this as progressive revelation that God gives a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more and He's given to those who are believers in Christ He's given them the most information and it's found in the New Testament. People of ancient Israel would have looked at you if you had tried to explain this progressive revelation to them. They would have looked at you and thought you're crazy. 
you know, that's that's not Scripture at all. They believed that God had placed everything in Scripture that mankind would ever need to know. There would never be no new revelation. Um, but God would allow the depth of understanding to come out in his time. Now, that's not new revelation because God had placed it in the depth of Scripture. The um, I had a thought that went in my head and went out of my head. I'll think of it again in a minute. Um, but, oh, I know. Here's what I wanted to say. The um, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, is made up of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. The prophets and the writings are viewed as commentary on the Torah. So what they're doing is that they're going into the 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 foundational meaning in the Torah, and they're pulling out some of that richer meaning. So they're commentary on the Torah. The Torah is made up of five books, Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Deuteros means the second law. Deuteronomy is a commentary on the first four books of the Torah. And in fact, the New Testament is a commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures. So this is the perception of, of, of the people of ancient Israel. I have come to that perception myself. I see the, the New Testament with, with over 300 citations of the Hebrew Scriptures, you know, as it's just one indication of how it's, it's very Hebraic in nature when, um, you know, when the, the authors of the New Testament speaking for God, there was no New Testament at the time. So their only holy writings were the Hebrew Scriptures. That's why they're citing from the Hebrew Scriptures. There was no New Testament. And they were thinking, in large part, they were Jews. They were, they were thinking the, the Hebrew way of thinking. So this is very different from our Christian way that looks at progressive revelation. Ancient Israel said, no, God has placed everything in Scripture that we would ever need to know. There are just ways of bringing out that deeper meaning. Our fifth and last question, how do people know what Scripture means? This is a very interesting question with an interesting answer because in the, in the ancient world, people did not have books. They learned by memorizing now, memorizing for us is very hard, and we have to do it kind of line by line. That's the way they learned. They didn't have blackboards. They didn't have books. They may have had a scroll or scrolls in, in the synagogue. But they learned scripture at home from the time they were little children, and they learned it by memorization, which is the way their father had, their parents had learned it by memorization. And this is important because when you get into the New Testament, you'll see one of these 300 citations. And it would have kicked off the whole block that they had memorized. They didn't memorize verse by verse. They memorized block by block. It would kick off the whole block. And and you have to go back. You have to compare the citation with the block that they had memorized. And very often the citation does something quite startling. It's going to delete something or add something or it's, it's going to do something. And the ancient ear would have heard it. The ancient ear heard all these things. In fact, the biblical language is an incredibly artistic language. Scholars call the artistry figures of speech, but it's much more than figures of speech. And I simply tell people, you don't have to learn figures of speech. Just learn to listen to the text, and you'll hear all kinds of things. You'll hear repetition. You'll hear contrast. You'll hear something strange or puzzling. You'll hear parallel lines. You'll, you know, they're just all kinds. I mean, I could go on. I could list 20, 30, 40 different types of linguistic devices. All you have to do is learn to listen to the text because that's the way the people of ancient Israel did it. They listened to the text and they heard the artistic nature of the language. Now, 
I'm, that's going to bring me to one more story here. Um, there's an account in the Gospels of Yeshua, and he's been telling a parable. And the disciples come to him and say, you know, Master, what, what does this parable mean? And you can almost see his arm reaching out, and he says, to them, and he's referring to the crowd, to them I speak in parables, but to you, disciples, it is possible for you to uncover the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now, those mysteries mean that deeper meaning. Who is going to be able to uncover the deeper meaning? The disciples. Who is a disciple? Just somebody with a heart, that's all. It simply means a follower. Someone who's made Yeshua Lord in their lives. They're, they're committed to obeying. They, they desire to learn. They're the ones who are going to be able to uncover these mysteries. And, um, and, and you too can do that. And I will, um, uh, in the next session, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an example from Scripture. And I'm going to actually show you how to use these ancient methods to get into the depth of meaning. We're going to look at what appear to be two different accounts of God creating mankind. In Genesis 1.27, he created mankind in his own image. In Genesis 2.7, he formed man from the dust of the ground. When we look at this with our first century way of thinking, it's not two different accounts. It's going. It, it's so related. It's so wonderful. It gives you such an incredible depth of understanding of, of God and what he is doing. But you'll have to wait for the next session for that. <laughs> so in the meantime, I trust you're kind of curious to know more about these first century methods and, and how to get into the depth of Scripture, which we'll continue to do. I'll continue to show you how to do that so you can get into the depth, depth of Scripture also. With that, I say, Shalom. Shalom.